1: Scott
0: Chu. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. My name, of course, is Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at if the chew fits. Let's get right to injuries and transactions. Ozzy Albie's just cannot catch a break this time, fracturing his pinky. He's out for the rest of the season and can be dropped in redraft. Though this shouldn't be anything that impacts Albie's in 2023. Eugenio Suarez hit the 10-day IL with a fracture in his finger. I'd stash him on the IL if I can, but otherwise, the earliest Suarez will be back is probably the final week of the season. Tyler O'Neal strained his hamstring and ended up on the 10-day IL as well. I'd handle him in the same way I'd handle Eugenio Suarez. I'd keep Tyler O'Neal on the IL if I can. Tyler Kopek hit the 15-day IL and he can be safely dropped in redraft leagues. Aaron Savale is slated to come off the IL and start on Tuesday against the White Sox. Tony Gonsolin threw a bullpen on Saturday, but isn't expected to return as a starter and will probably go to the bullpen if he comes back in 2022. Jazz Chisholm just had surgery to repair a torn meniscus, though it also shouldn't be something that lingers into 2023. Tyler Rogers left his start early with discomfort in his left lat. If it looks like he's going to hit the IL or miss more than a start or two, you can probably let him go to the waiver wire. Mad Max Scherzer will be reinstated from the IL on Monday to start against the Brewers. He's got a two-start week, so you definitely want to get him back in your lineups. Frankie Montas won't make his next start on normal rest, and I wouldn't expect him back until the final week of the season. And finally, an update on Carlos Rodan suggests he will be good to go for his next start, which is Tuesday in Coors. As far as hitting action from yesterday, Seth Brown of the A's went 2 for 4 with a double, a home run, 4 RBI, and a walk. Brown strikes out more than I'd like, even when he's hot, but 6 home runs and 20 combined runs and RBI in 14 games is hard to argue with. Seth Brown's merely a streamer to me, though, and his upcoming matchups against the Mariners and Mets isn't that exciting from a hitting standpoint. Ahmed Rosario had a heck of a doubleheader. He went 8-for-13 with a home run, 6 RBI, and a stolen base across the two games. The Guardian shortstop... Looks to end the year with something like 11 or 12 home runs, 15 stolen bases, and a batting average somewhere north of .280. It's extremely similar to what Ahmed Rosario accomplished in his first season as a Guardian, and should be the expectation for 2023 as well. Ronald Acuna Jr. went 2-for-4 with a double a home run and 4 RBI. The home run totals aren't quite what we hoped for, as this was only his 13th home run in 106 games after Acuna hit 24 home runs in 82 games last season and 14 home runs in 46 games in 2020. That said, Acuna should still clear 15 home runs and 30 steals by the end of the season and should be considered an early to mid first round option in 2023. Eduardo Escobar of the Mets, he went 2 for 3 with a home run, two runs scored, three RBI, and a walk. Escobar's random production can be maddening to chase, as he now has six home runs in September after hitting just 12 up through the end of August. The Mets have mostly decent matchups next week, though, so if you want to ride the hot hand or take advantage of Eduardo Escobar's positional versatility, doing that for another week or so seems fine. MJ Melendez of the Royals, he went three for five with a double, four run score, two RBI, and a stolen base. The power's taken a step back, but Melendez has shown solid plate discipline as a leadoff man for the Royals, which is a weird lineup spot for a catcher, but a rather advantageous one at a position that often struggles to rack up plate appearances. Melendez will be a decent back-end catching option in the event that banning the ship helps his batting average you see Melendez is a pull heavy left-handed hitter and that's exactly the profile the shift is most effective against Tony Kemp of the A's he went three for five with a triple three run scored and two stolen bases Kemp continues to thrive for reasons unbeknownst to me but it'd be hard for me to recommend riding this way for a whole lot longer unless you really need stolen bases these are at home all next week against the Mariners and Mets who are vulnerable to stolen bases but not so much else Willie Adamas of the Brewers went 1-3 for with that home run, 3 RBI, a walk, and a stolen base. Adamas had the day's only combo meal as he continues to surge towards a possible 35 home run season. Adamas will almost certainly fall short, though the fact that Adamas has 4 home runs in the last 6 games has given him a puncher's chance at that 35 home run mark. Rodolfo Castro of the Pirates. He went three for four with a double, a home run, and he now has three doubles and four home runs in his last 10 games, with just a 20.5% strikeout rate. If Rodolfo Castro can flirt with that kind of strikeout rate the rest of the way, he'll likely be much more interesting as we're researching for the 2023 fantasy draft season. Steven Kwan of the Guardians went five for 11 in a doubleheader with a double, three runs scored, and a walk. And if you're looking for speed or contact, Kwan is one of the safest bets there is. His matchups next week aren't too bad, so if he's on your wire, definitely scoop him up if you need ratios or... Or speed. And finally, you know I gotta include him, Akil Badu went 1-3 for three with a triple, two-run score to walk, and a stolen base. That's two triples in his last three starts, and Badu is walking again, and yes, I'm always going to bring up Badu at every opportunity, which I'm running out of this season, so I gotta pack him in. Starting pitching performances from yesterday, I'll start with Hunter Green of the Reds. He went against the Cardinals, got a no decision on six innings pitch, zero earned runs, four hits, no walks, 11 strikeouts on 81 pitches. Green has been out for nearly six weeks, but you wouldn't know it when you saw him touching 101 and throwing that nasty slider against the Cardinals. He should be probably locked into your starting rotation the rest of the way, though the four for Hunter Green can be ugly when the command is off because he does pound the zone with both the fastball and slider, and when his command is off, he it gets hit a long way, or he walks way too many batters. Dakota Hudson of the Cardinals went against the Reds. He got the win on eight innings pitch, no earned runs, six hits, two walks, five strikeouts. A strong performance for a guy who randomly has those at times. The next outing for Dakota Hudson, if he's still in the rotation, would be against the Dodgers. You don't want to mess with that. Go ahead and let Dakota Hudson back into the wild. Jose Quintana of the Cardinals also went against the Reds in that doubleheader. He went eight innings pitched as well with no earned runs, two hits, no walks, six strikeouts. The command was spot on for Quintana as the savvy vet worked his magic yet again. Quintana also lines up against the Dodgers next and the Brewers the following week, which isn't ideal, but in 12-team and deeper formats, you might consider holding on to Quintana, maybe benching him for the Dodgers' start, and then reactivating him against the Brewers. Hayden Wisniewski of the Cubs had a surprise start taking the spot of Wade Miley. He went against the road Rockies. He went seven innings pitched, one earned run, three hits, no walks, and seven strikeouts eighty eight pitches. It was his first official start, though Wesnesky had worked as an with an opener before and did exactly what you want against a Rockies team at the tail end of a long road trip. Wesnesky will draw the Pirates next, and as long as the slider looks as good as there as it did yesterday, it's an easy hold beyond that. Davis Martin Got the start for the White Sox against Detroit. He went six innings pitch, one earned run, three hits, one walk, five strikeouts. It's the first career quality start for Martin, which is neat. And more of a reminder that almost every right-handed starter is in play when they face the Tigers, but I'm not that excited about Davis Martin going forward. Eduardo Rodriguez was on the other side for Detroit. He went against those White Sox. He went 6.1 innings pitch, two earned runs, two hits, two walks, seven strikeouts. The results were better than the skills, though, and there's no but there's no reason that Eduardo Rodriguez couldn't do this again when he draws the Royals in the middle of the next week. It's not a confident play, but it would likely be one of the better streaming options on that particular day. George Kirby of the Mariners went against the A's, or sorry, the Angels. He took the loss, but he went six innings, pitched two earned runs, four hits, one walk, and eight strikeouts. Nick is still relatively unimpressed with George Kirby's secondaries, though you don't need to be that impressed to start George Kirby in his next two matchups, which are into Oakland and then at home against the Rangers. And then Jose Urquidy, had a real tough day. He went against the A's, should have been better, but six innings pitch, six earned runs on seven hits, two walks, and six strikeouts. That's two consecutive bad performances for Jose Urquidy. And this time, it was against the A's at home. That's scary. I'd probably bench Jose Urquidy against Baltimore in his next start and then maybe reactivate him against the Diamondbacks when that start rolls around, assuming that Urquidy's better against the O's. If he isn't, Urquidy might need to hit the wire because if you're not confident starting a guy against the Diamondbacks, he doesn't need to be on your roster. And then, as far as the D detailed uh, performances I'll go into. Shohei Otani once again, the ace of the day for me. He went against the Seattle Mariners. He went seven innings pitch, no earned runs, three hits, one walk, eight strikeouts. He's throwing that slider a ton, 40-50% of the time, and it's so, so good. One of the best pitchers in baseball. So if you get a chance to watch Shohei Otani, I recommend you do it. A couple aces that had good days. Julio Urias, he went against the Giants. He went six innings pitch, just one earned run, eight strikeouts, five hits, one walk, Joe Musgrove had a nice performance against the Diamondbacks. He got the win on six innings pitch, no earned runs, four hits, no walks, eight strikeouts. Chris Bassett definitely seems to be over whatever was plaguing him a little earlier uh, in September and August. He went against the Pirates. He got the win on six innings pitch, no earned runs, three hits, two walks, eight strikeouts. Shane Bieber, had a nice day against the Twins. Eight innings pitched, one run, four hits, no walks, and six strikeouts. And finally, Brandon Woodruff is really closing strong. He went against the Yankees, got a win on eight innings pitched, one run, five hits, one walk, and ten strikeouts. Relief pitching. Per- relief pitching performances from yesterday, don't look now, but Josh Hader might finally be settling down in what has been a disastrous second half for him. He allowed one hit, but notched an otherwise clean inning against the Diamondbacks for his fourth consecutive appearance with no runs allowed, and has five saves in his last six outings. A strong finish to September for Hader could give us the confidence we need to consider him a top-tier relief option next season, though more than likely, Hader will come with a bit of a discount. Hader's replacement in Milwaukee, Devin Williams, also had a nice night, striking out two Yankees while picking up the save. Devin Williams' 1.76 ERA and 39.3% strikeout rate should tell you a lot about why Milwaukee was willing to give up a guy with Hader's skills. Williams should be a top relief option in 2023 drafts. Daniel Bard's miraculous season continued for yet another outing as he notched his 31st save and 59th strikeout, lowering his ERA to a sparkling 1.99. The 37-year-old Bard has more saves than Edwin Diaz, believe it or not, is by far the biggest relief surprise of 2022. Daniel Bard won't be a top option in 2023 drafts, mind you, but Bard's role, strong rebound, and ability to suppress home runs should make him a valuable part of the back end of any fantasy bullpen. And then with his second save of the week, and this time in a game where AJ Puck was available, Domingo Acevedo may have made himself a co-closer In Oakland, however, his lack of strikeout upside combined with sharing the role on a bad team should keep Acevedo on fantasy waiver wires in all but the deepest of formats for all but the most desperate of managers. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we will talk about the day ahead starting with the weather right after this. And we are back just in time to send it over to my guy, Mark, with the weather. Mark, take it away. Thank you very much. Looking at today's weather map, wow, we have a strange system going on. And that's just because we have the weather patterns changing. We finally break in from summer into fall. And what we have is a major system in Alaska, a
1: tropical storm um, in the Caribbean, and last but not least, because those won't impact us at all, is a storm off the coast of California, in this case, Northern California. We're going to see some rain in San Francisco, very unusual for the baseball season. And much like a couple weeks ago, we had rain in San Diego. They just don't see it too often. They don't handle it well. A lot of uncertainty here. And I know this is the final day and for
0: regular season playoffs. Uh, this start may matter, but. All I can say is you got to keep an eye on this game. This game could be postponed, and to make matters worse, it's the night game. So, wow. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Mark. As always, we appreciate your input. As far as streaming options and DFS options for the day, on the starting pitching side, I'm looking at Javier Assad against the Rockies, who are... In the last game of what has been a very long road trip, the Rockies have a pitiful 72 WRC plus so far this month and a 27% strikeout rate, which means I'll start almost anyone against them, including Assad, who's coming off a six-inning performance against the Mets where he allowed just one run and struck out six. So Javier Assad definitely at the top of my list. Nick Pavetta, he's always a dart throw based on the command, but Pavetta should get some room for error against the Royals, who've been nearly as bad as the Rockies in September. Ryan Nelson... Isn't the next coming of Spencer Strider, but 13 strikeouts and 13 scoreless innings with a more than decent arsenal makes Ryan Nelson very viable against a Padres team that's been a bottom 10 offense so far this month, even worse than the Cubs, Diamondbacks, and A's. Not that any of them have been good. And the Angels are one of the baseball's most inept offenses against left-handed pitching, which means Marco Gonzalez is in play. He has four consecutive quality starts, and while the ceiling isn't very high for Marco Gonzalez, the floor shouldn't be very low either. On the hitting side, I'm definitely targeting Twins against righty Cody Morris of the Guardians. I'm targeting Red Sox against lefty Chris Bubich of the Royals. And I'm looking at the Cubs against Rocky starter Ryan Feltner. And if you need a stolen base, look to the speedsters on the Cubs, Cardinals, Mariners, Rays, and Nationals as they face some of the most vulnerable batteries of the day. With that, we thank you so much for listening. It's been a great season. We hope you keep listening for the rest of the season. And until next time, have a great rest of your day.